Okay, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. I'm your host, Paul Gillette, and today's a special show. Uh, we're going to be talking to a couple of uh, individuals who are with a company I think is just a, uh, a great example of what can go right in, uh, in our country on manufacturing the entrepreneurial spirit. And so I've got with me John Pistano and Blaine Hadfield of Exact Rail. So we're going to be talking today a little bit about their backgrounds and what's going on with the, uh, the company. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks, Paul. Now, John's on a little bit of a uh, time lease, so we'll start out with, with John. John is uh, co-founder of uh, Exact Rail. And he and a gentleman by the name of Chris Clean got together towards the end of June back in 2008 to uh, found Exact Rail, and over the last uh, three years, this company has released or announced about 41 all-new models. They've got 25 HO freight cars out there. They're also into in-scale freight cars. They started structures. You've probably seen the uh, the bridges, and now they've come out with their trucks and uh, wheel sets. So, John, before you got the uh, the urge to start Exact Rail, you had co-founded Omniture. Did I say that right? That's correct. Okay. So can you just tell me a little bit about what Omniture did and how that uh, success led you to found, uh, or found Exact Rail? Yeah, so Omniture was a software as a service company that uh, did mainly website analytics. So basically we tracked visitor behavior on websites. And I started that back in 1996 with a good friend of mine named Josh James. And we ran that for uh, quite a while. Uh, and we sold it to Adobe in 2009. Um, you know, and after, I guess, running a software company with over 1,200 employees, I was excited to try and do something different. And uh, an opportunity came about where I was introduced to Chris Kloon, um, who was an expert uh, tool and mold maker in the model train industry. And I just thought it would be fun to partner up with them and, and try and start a new model train company. Okay. Uh, so that experience with the software, how did that, you know, lead you to model train? You said it was you thought it would be fun to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, so obviously being on the, on the Internet, I think, well, even a lot of us obviously have lots of different passions. And, and I think most model railroaders who enjoy model railroading don't do model railroading their full-time job. But after being involved with, with Omniture, you know, it gave me the opportunity to really do something fun. And I thought that model model railroading would be a neat kind of tangible project to do. You know, after you do software for a long time, you kind of get tired that you can't touch the thing. Yeah. And, and I thought model trains would be neat because it's something where I can have uh, an, a physical product that also does really well online. I think being in the, you know, coming from the, the software industry and, and seeing the Internet and the growth of it, it really allowed me to come into the model train industry and kind of bring a fresh perspective to the industry and what we should be doing and who we should be targeting. 
Uh, for example, I hear all the time in the industry that people feel like it's shrinking and kind of uh, not going anywhere, and I completely disagree. Um, you know, it's just always shifting and changing. And as we have more and more people who are fluent in technology and the Internet, they're just wanting different things. And, you know, we're, that's why, you know, you're even starting to see more sophisticated control systems in, in model trains, you know, or sound or whatever that may be. And uh, I think we're starting to communicate more and more with the younger generations. And I think my experience in software, you know, helps me with that. Okay. So what you're seeing is the uh, younger kids more technologically motivated? Well, not... Yeah, I mean, they are all technologically motivated, but what it's allowed me to do as a software executive, I think, is know how to communicate well with them, you know, by using our Facebook. Uh, but we actually have a, a social network at Xactro called Train Life that allows people to communicate online. You know, so there's, there's a lot of different things that we do to help, you know, grow the hobby, not amongst just older generations, but also with the younger generations, too. And I think you know, my experience with software and technology helps me with that. Okay. Well, speaking of train life, and I've heard you talk about this uh, before, uh, so just for the people, the listeners that may not be familiar with it, tell us about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so train life actually was an idea that I had a long time ago. It's probably like five years ago at least, and um, I, I thought that there wasn't a lot, of, a lot of very good resources online at the time, and so I actually registered a domain, Train Life, and I actually just never really got around to making the website until recently. And so what we've done at Train Life is we've created, it's kind of like a Facebook meets the New York Times where people can communicate online, but we also have a lot of great content. So. I, you know, I was aware of a lot of magazines that had basically stopped publishing, you know, like Model Railroading, uh, Rail News, Rail Model Journal, um, and there's we. So I went out and I actually bought the rights to about seven different magazines and the ability to publish them online. And then uh, we've gone through and we've actually scanned all the content, OCR'd the content so that people can search through it. And we've created just this great free resource um, where people can search for, uh, you know, articles. One of the great things about model trains is articles don't go old, right? I mean, they're really just as relevant today as they were when they were written 30 years ago if you're trying to research a, a specific topic Correct. on your model railroad. And so we just wanted to provide a great resource for everybody out there on the Internet to... Um, you know, be able to find more information. Instead of these magazines right now, they were all hidden on eBay, and you had to find a certain, you know, person who would be willing to sell you their old copy. When I was reading through and signed up for Train Life, and I clicked on that, and I went, this is so cool, being able to go back and grab those magazines that are no longer being published. Uh, yeah. And ideally, we really would even like to start working with even some of the you know magazines that still are publishing, and potentially be able to you know link to them um, and provide resources because we aren't really trying to become a publisher. If anything, we're just trying to make sure you know things don't get lost. Right. Right. I, I 
us a little bit as a library. You know, in the long run, think of all these books that have been published that, you know, are hard to find. If we could somehow find out who owns rights to some of that, either one, maybe they'd want to just donate them to, to Train Life so that they can always be available for the industry forever. Or, you know, somehow come up with an agreement where we purchase some of the licenses. But, you know, we're really just trying to be that resource uh, so the, the material doesn't die with the owner. Okay. Well, one thing I notice is uh, the new members, when you're on the website, and it's got, uh, you know, new members who've joined. I mean, there is quite a healthy stream of uh, apparently people becoming aware of it and actually going, hey, this is for me and joining. Yeah, you know, so the website, you know, it's fairly new. It's, it's only a little over six months old. And, you know, we already get millions of pages to the site. Um, and we have, you know, thousands of member, members joining the site. Um, but but the fact is actually, you know, people can even get a lot of use out of the site even without joining. Most of the stuff is accessible without even signing up. The advantage that you have from signing up is you then get to not only view some of the publishing content, but then also start communicating uh, with other model railroaders who share your passion because there's things like groups and stuff where you can join. And, you know, if you want to just talk about Union Pacific, you can talk about Union Pacific with right. people. Well, yeah, you've even got a group on there of train movies. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember when the movie Unstoppable came out, they were, they were all discussing it. Yes. Uh, and I guess when you joined, I got uh, several almost immediate invites to join some of the, uh, the groups. And one of them was the, uh, the guy who, I guess, is one of the big UT fans on there. And he had started the one on train movies, which I just found really improving. So, well, I tell you what, you've obviously struck a nerve. If you've got, been around six months on that and you've already got several thousand members, I mean, you're on target with, with filling a void that was out there. Yeah, no, we, we think we have, and, and it's only going to get better. We actually have, so Train Life does even have dedicated staff um, that are working on it. We even have some new features that are going to be launching that are going to really help improve even the experience so that we can continue to grow and develop that site. Well, let me ask you then, when you take uh, train life and you put that side by side with Xactera, how do you see those two complementing, uh, like train life complementing Xactera? Well, you know, I mean, obviously from an Xactera perspective, it, it benefits from just people, more people becoming aware of Xactera. Um, and, you know, hopefully the more people who visit Train Life, the more people who might be interested in purchasing Xactrail products. You know, so that's why you, we try to not, you know, well, we, I know we don't litter the site with very much advertising at all. We have like four sponsors on the right-hand side, and, and that's all we have. Okay. Well, and that's an interesting uh, comment you made about making more people aware of Xactrail and obviously... Uh, you know, top line sales are a direct result of that. Uh, do you have any idea of what the penetration is if we were just to look at, you know, the uh, model railroad freight car in HA as a, you know, $200 million market or whatever it is? Do you have any uh, feel for just what an impact you've made so far? You know, I don't necessarily know exactly what an impact, but I think we've made a pretty strong impact into the industry. When you look at the sheer number of cars that we've released, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, people have been excited about these cars, and they've been, in a lot of cases, they've been waiting for these cars for a long time. I've had so many people come up to me and say, I can't believe you made a VertiPak. I thought nobody would ever make a VertiPak, you know? And, and that's been fun for us, you know, and we sold thousands of VertiPaks, right? And, and so the fact is that there are people who are, who are looking forward to these products and we're making an impact in their lives. And that's the most important thing to me, you know, is that, that we're fulfilling somebody's dreams of some car that, that they've been waiting for for a long time. Well, yeah, you did that. I mean, I, I had six of them, and that's not even my time zone, but I thought, this is just a neat car that looks behind, you know, looks really good with some uh, tri-level auto carriers, so I've got six of them. Uh, and if people don't like the looks of them behind an SD75, then, you know, turn your head when my trains go back. I don't care. I enjoy <laughs> the heck out of them. Uh, what? And then you've got the, uh, wasn't it a Magor, the drop center uh, flat that you recently introduced? Yep. Where did that come from? Our flat car? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so that was uh, an interesting project. You know, we debated about that project on, on exactly what we should do there. Yeah. Um, you know, because the car really is not a prototype. It's It's a mixture of a few things. It's very similar to one prototype, but... There's no specific prototype. It really was when Chris had originally been thinking about that car, he wanted to just kind of, I guess, do his dream, the press center flat car, what he thought would be the coolest looking one. And that's actually the only car that we've ever come out with that isn't modeled specifically after a prototype. Okay. Uh, I, I love the look of the car. And, you know, even when we launched the car, we, we said exactly that to people that, hey, this isn't exact, exact, but all the paint schemes on that car are very plausible, I guess might be the, the best way to say it, you know, that we did follow the, the, the painting schemes of depressed standard flat cars, you know, but as you know, there are so many different versions that were of depressed standard flat cars that were done by so many different railroads with so such limited runs that it's just a hard car to justify tooling expenses for, sure. you know, to do uh, a single paint scheme. Well, I think, you know, I think that's great that you guys did that. It's, it's kind of a, an amalgamation or an assemblage of all the different cars out there. And it's still the need. I mean, the good-looking cars. Um, well, that, that's, you know, it's actually been very well received. Um, I mean, you always get a few of the rivet counters out there that just can't let it go. <laughs> But I feel like, you know, that a lot of that is unjustified towards us because we're very upfront with people about what we're selling and we aren't trying to trick anybody, right? That's right. And and so if I say, you know, hey, this is just a cool car that we really liked and, and we wanted to do, you know, it is just is what it is and, you know, somebody doesn't have to buy that. But I do think the majority of people are very happy with that car and, and thought it turned out as a beautiful car. Um, I would agree. Uh, what got you guys off from cars onto the uh, bridges? Yeah, you know, well, as a long-term goal, uh, you know, our company is to do much more than just freight cars. Okay. We, we've entered the market in freight cars, but we for sure are going to go into other things, you know, whether it's structures, as you've seen us do with the bridges, or accessories. I don't know if you just saw... Um, 
at the National Train Show, we previewed, and we haven't officially announced this yet, but we previewed an irrigation wheel line that we did in brass. And um, that was just so well received at the show. I mean, people, I think it might have been the number one thing people were talking about at the show. And so we're going to be getting into other things. So the, the bridge was kind of just our first foray into that. We thought, here's a neat thing that we could do that the only options out there right now are brass models, you know, or scratch build something. And so we really felt that that was a, a need in the marketplace, and, you know, and it was very well received, our bridges. And one thing that's really neat about us, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but we always also try and do an undecorated kit, whether it's in a, in a freight car or whether it's in, like, the bridges. And that gives people a lot of flexibility to even do their own models with our kits, too. So. Yeah, I've noticed, in fact, one of your ads with an undecorated uh, covered hopper, uh, was, the way it was laid out, it reminded me of a uh, early 70s ad, I think of a Pullman Standard Ram, where they were making, you know, one-to-one kits, and people like U.S. Steel would buy them for the B&LE or the EJ&E, and I went, you know, that, that ad, the, the total layout of it is just so reminiscent of that. Uh, Pullman Standard ad that goes back to the 1970s, the running railway age. So, uh, you know, the model world imitating uh, the real world there. Uh, I, yeah, I love undecorated because, especially if you uh, crater lamps or anything, it gives, you know, gives you a fresh starting. You don't have to go in and strip paint and so forth. Well, you founded the company with a gentleman named Chris Queen. And here recently, uh, you announced Chris's retirement. Uh, how does that impact, or does it have any impact at all at Exact Rail on going forward? Yeah, so Chris came to me almost a year ago. It was actually August of last year, I believe. And he expressed a desire that he wanted to move back to Oregon, back by where his family was living. And he was the CEO of the company at the time. And, you know, I said, well, I'm fine with you moving back there, but the reality is you can't be CEO in Oregon with a company located in Utah. And so we were able to come to an agreement where actually I ended up buying him out of the company. So I actually own the entire company now. Okay. And um, he then moved back to Oregon. Obviously, I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't comfortable with where we were at production. You know, we're fortunate enough to have Blaine Hadfield here, obviously, with us on the call today, too, where um, Blaine is an extremely talented gentleman when it comes to model trains. And he had actually been running, basically, our, our production teams uh, for about a year and a half before this, this change with Chris happened. Okay. And so... You know, he he basically had been in charge of production. Chris was acting as the CEO at the time. And so I was able to then just come in and, and take his place as CEO, and I still had uh, a great partner in Blaine on the production side. And, you know, so he manages our team of, of CAD designers and machinists and, and artists that work on our train cars. And, and if it, if anything, I think Blaine is just... Uh, one of the most talented guys out there when it when it comes to building model trains. 
Okay, so does Mr. Cohn still have any involvement uh, in Exonsville? Is he a consultant or? No. Okay. So he's just enjoying the Oregon life again. Yeah, I mean, the only, I mean, uh, obviously Chris is always available if I had a question about something, okay. you know, but, um, you know, we're friends. Um, actually, I send him uh, every time, every release that we come out with cars, I actually mail him a couple just so he can continue to enjoy seeing what we're doing. Okay. Well, that worked out well for everyone. Uh, Oregon's a beautiful place and so is, uh, you're up around what? Salt Lake City? The outskirts of Salt Lake City? Yeah, so Exactural actually has two facilities. Um, we have a facility in Provo, Utah, which is where kind of our corporate headquarters where we do sales, marketing, and then we have a, a warehousing facility um, down in Orem, which is the town is right next door to Provo. Uh, where we do our warehousing and also where we actually do our mold manufacturing. Okay. Now, I think uh, at your website, uh, com, you'll find links to the Facebook and Twitter uh, pages there. And there's a, uh, if you want an overview, listeners, of what exactly has done, they have, uh, I believe it's on your Facebook, it's called uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2. It's like year and review. It's actually right on the homepage of Xactrail on the left-hand okay. side, right right in the left main, main menu. You can click right there for the years in review. I encourage you to go there and look at these. The photography is just stunning. You've got to keep reminding yourself that, wow, these are HR models uh, in some cases. Engage. But, you know, as I mentioned in one of my emails to you, you guys are insane on detail. <laughs> the, yeah, we are. The, uh, the reefer, the new reefer out there, you know, is that weld scenes I'm looking at on the, uh, the door stiffness? I mean, the detail yeah. of the operating. Uh, mechanism, and then, in fact, I've got one here on the desk. I just got through weathering, and I'm looking at this under a magnifying glass, and I'm going, that looks like weld scenes from a skip weld, and I'm going, these guys need professional help <laughs> the control, if that's what that is. So one of my favorite things is when you look at one of our cars and look at our truck, yeah. is that you actually see the casting. If you pull out a magnifying glass, you can see the casting marks on the trucks, and you can also see the laddering etched into the trucks uh, from the builder. Okay, and I'm doing that right now. I've got one of your 4427s here. Getting ready to weather, and he's absolutely right. I'm looking at these ASF uh, side frames, and wow, that that is some incredible tooling work. How do you get tooling that fine without giving away trade secrets? Well, um, and this is Blaine talking here now. Well, well, now that you're asking some technical questions, you know, we'll let Blaine. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Blaine Hadfield. I'm the Vice President of Production for ExactRail. Um, in beginning, let me say thank you for having us on your show. Oh, my pleasure. Um, with respect to uh, the tooling details, uh, there are a number of tricks associated with the manufacture of molds. Uh, we're fortunate to have Bong team of very talented individuals. 
um, to get some of that uh, extraordinarily fine detail, we have to manufacture uh, many of our own cutters. Um, so we will shape and and form the cutters in such a way that they give us the look we want. And we do that with many individual specific details. And um, we've been very pleased with the result. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's, I've got a work life that's casting the shadow across the lettering. And I mean, the ride control and everything that's on there is just phenomenal. I hate the weather right now because somehow the detail is going to be obliterated <laughs> when I put the pigment on it. Uh, I like the way that your trucks are made. You know, you have side frames and you have bolsters. Yeah. I like that. Uh, One of mine. Yeah, I really do. And that's what scared it was the side frame deflected, popped apart, but like absorbed the energy from the fall. And I went, this is really, you know, a side benefit to. Uh, Although, Paul, I do recommend that you don't drop your train car. Yes. Just, just as a side note. Okay. I've, I've jotted <laughs> that down now. Uh, even the brake detail that you've got to pick up the cars to see it. Where our cars really excel is, is it's that fine detail. You know, a lot of manufacturers' models will look very similar to ours if you're standing three feet away from them. But when you get really close, um, you know, I really feel that Xactrel is, is, is the best out there. You know, the, the attention to detail that we put into those little things, you know, our, our draft boxes, for example, are, are great, you know, as an example. Our, um, you know, you, like you mentioned, the trucks, and then even the way that we do our brake rigging and things like that. You know, you mentioned you had the reefer there on your desk. You know, when you look at that car on the underbody and you can see the piping kind of going underneath, you'll actually see the clasps that are holding it to the bottom. And, you know, that type of detailing, I know it seems sick because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's the bottom of the car. But, you know, if you're a prototype modeler, you're a prototype modeler. And so if, if all of a sudden you don't care about all that stuff, you know, what do you care about? And so, and we have customers who care about different things. Some people it's really important to, some people it's not. But because we're trying to take care of the whole market, you know, of, of customers with a single car, we have to pay attention to everything on that car. You're right. I mean, I'm looking at the underside of the uh, the install on the uh, the roofer. We've got the nut and bolt detail on the uh, draft gear cover. Yeah. In fact, uh, on some of those details, we actually threaded the bolt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, laugh. It, it, uh, we probably deserve that. Um, no, no, I'm just, uh, that's fanatical. <laughs> we, we take a great personal interest in the products that we produce. Yeah. And, um, it's never the case that we release a product without going back and reevaluating our methods and, and just doing a little soul searching to see how we can improve for the next time around. And, um, and we enjoy that. We enjoy that process. And, uh, you know, I feel really fortunate to work with a team and under John's leadership um, where that, that attitude is shared amongst all of us. Um, we're always driving to uh, up, 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 up our performance and raise the bar. Well, this is just 
And that's amazing. Even the attachments of the fuel tank, which are underneath, are actually detailed there. Yeah, you know, and another thing, like uh, tra- look at the look at the the door guides. Mm-hmm. You know that where you can actually see through them. Um, you know, some of the common things where people would would cut corners. You know, I had paid no attention to that, but you're right. I've got a. I need to get a bigger magnifying glass. But that's incredible. Uh, I can't wait for your uh, next cars to come out. Yeah, you know, so we just this, you know, this week we uh, we just shipped our Magor, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful car. Uh, Blaine and his team did an incredible job on the artwork on that car, and just uh, you know, I really think outdid themselves on it. And we also shipped uh, the FMC four thousand gondolas, and those are actually part of our express series. And you know, probably for your listeners, what a lot of people might be interested in is. We have a couple of different series of products. Yeah, please explain the differences for us. Yeah. So it, there is no difference. It's just to cause confusion. No, I'm just totally... <laughs> well, at least you're up front about it. I like that. <laughs> so um, really what it is, so our lowest end car is our Express Series. And what the Express Series car, at least to exact real, is we're trying, we try and hit a, a lower price point. You know, So it's not quite as... Well, there's not as many separately applied parts to those cars. So like your, your grabs uh, on the car will actually be molded in detail instead of wire grab irons. Um, but those cars still have the exact rail trucks on them, the, you know, the wheels, metal wheels, uh, the KD couplers on those cars, but they won't have, you know, uh, the coupler cut levers and the uh, air hoses okay. on them. So that's kind of our. So think the best way to think about it is a little bit more molded in detail on the Express Series car. Okay. But I challenge you actually to look at one of those cars, and you will swear that those grab irons are actually separately applied. The way that we've done the tooling on these cars, it just looks beautiful. So the next. Uh, level is our um, Evolution Series. In the Evolution Series cars, they basically have all of the all of the high-end detail around the car except for the underbody. They'll have underbody detail, but it won't be a ton of separately applied parts. There'll be just a couple of parts. Um, and then you also won't have the air hoses, and, uh, again, the cup bars on them. But all the grab irons and parts that are are really critical that should be metal will be metal on those cars. The Platinum Series cars and the Signature Series cars are really the same level. So either car, whether it's a Platinum or Signature Series, are as high-end as Xactrel makes. And, you know, where we turn on our crazy hat, right, and, and just on the car. Now, uh, the, the reason for the difference between the Platinum and the Signature actually has more to do with whether or not um, it was a really unique, unique paint scheme or like it was done by a single railroad, just something that differentiates it. We actually right now are are even considering potentially getting rid of the signature series 
and just incorporating that into our Platinum Series just because there's not enough differentiator that it's kind of caused a little bit of confusion. And so right now, like, um, you'll, you'll put up, unless something happens right now, Blaine and I are planning on only just releasing all, in the future, any car that was a signature car in the past will just be re-released as a Platinum Series car. So really the three series are going to be Express, Evolution, and Platinum. Okay. And, and again, they all have the same exact rail trucks on them, metal wheels, um, you know, the, anything that a, uh, that a prototype modeler would expect. You know, when you really even look at our Express Series cars, which are our lowest level car, I think when you compare that to a lot of manufacturers, that would be their highest end car. Okay. It's important for us, if I may, that our products operate well. And um, it's true that many, many people enjoy the performance of molded on details. They don't break. Um, in some cases, they're better suited for children. If uh, you operate on a club layout and, and there are others handling your equipment, you might be sensitive to, uh, to the details of a, of a high-level car. So there are a lot of people who, who love our Express Series line for the fact that it has molded on details. Um, but even though it's a less expensive car, we've made the decision to not cut any corners that would hamper or inhibit good performance. And so as John noted, um, regardless of the series, the car is equipped with KD couplers. Okay. Uh, the trucks are, you know, are the same. Platinum series trucks. Platinum series cars. trucks, CNC machined uh, wheel sets, because those are the things that are going to make a car uh, run well. And that, again, is important to us. And there's also the attention to detail from the paint schemes and things like that is exactly the same on all cars. So really the only difference when you get into that Express is that molded on detail. But you can expect, you know, beautiful paint schemes, fine letter detail, you know, where you can pull out the magnifying glass and, and read whatever, you know, uh, logo or lettering that's on the car. And that's very evident on your uh, roofer doors. The Goofy's got every possible stencil that uh, they ever put there. And it's legible. Yep. I love that. Uh, well, let me ask you then, Dwayne, uh, how much of that is, you know, I presume you are a model railroader. I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, your own interest, are they translating into the, uh, a dark rail product? Like you mentioned, they must be, you know, high quality operation and so forth. Is that one of the influences? I, I would I would prefer to phrase it this way. My my personal modeling interests may not translate directly, but my passion okay. does. Um, I take a great deal of um, of time and personal interest to uh, to bring to market the the best product that, that I'm able to deliver for my part in the in the process, and um, I take uh, take great interest in that uh, beyond just the standard uh, professional interest. Okay. Yeah. If Blaine just picked products, we'd we'd only be making Union Pacific cars. <laughs> okay. You guy, I'm guessing. What scale do you do, Blaine? 
um, on model HO scale. But that said, um, ExactRail mo- uh, offers currently freight cars in HO and N scale, and one of the one of the exciting parts of the hobby for me is is in scale. Even though I don't personally model it, the reason being is I see a great deal of opportunity for us to make product improvements. Um, you know, we're currently making some tooling modifications to to our in scale series that that I think will um, be very well received by the in scale community, and um, that's. That's very uh, satisfying. And as an observer to N-Scale, one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of years is the degree of, of detail and fidelity to the uh, real-life models that's creeping into N-Scale. Uh, there's yep. some incredible models out there, both with locomotive and rolling stock, that you know, for a while I was considered N-Scale just toys, but not so anymore. No, you definitely have a, a lot of serious prototype modelers in N-Scale, and we're actually even raising the bar here at ExactRail with, with N-Scale. I mean, we want to continue launching more and more N-Scale products. Because, I mean, right now, when you look at how many cars we launched, basically for every two HO-scale freight cars, we have launched one N-Scale freight okay. car. That's what we've done to date. But our long-term goal as a company is to launch, every time we launch our, a product, to launch it in HO and N-Scale. That's our long-term goal. Um, so, you know, I think the N-Scalers will be, you know, more, I guess more and more happy with ExactRail as time flies by. But um, the fact is we've really produced, you know, 12 all-new N-Scale freight cars in the last two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And even this year, you know, we released the 4427 in N-Scale. Was it the Evans? Yeah, 5277 in N-Scale. And we have our N-Scale Trinity uh, 64-foot reefer car that's coming out in N-Scale. Plus, there will even be at least one other car besides that this year. And so, you know, it's it's an exciting hobby for the N-Scaler, I think, right now, where there's going to be... Uh, Exactro is definitely paying attention there, and we want to uh, provide them with more and more product. Yeah, if I didn't have such an investment over the last 30 years in HO, because there's no basement in the first time, basement. So if you model, you either model in a, a bedroom, a garage, or in my case, I just built my HO railroad outdoors. And I would go, you know, you know. If I could make the swap, I would go to InScale because it would just solve a lot of my problems. And uh, yeah, you so you but you aren't you aren't you aren't, you aren't going all the way to Z, huh? No, <laughs> I can't. You know, guys, I put a Z next to one of these cars, and I went, "There's not a magnifying glass big enough for me to to really uh, work in ZScale." Well, I have to I have to put a shout out to T Gauge on 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 the podcast. Yeah. Have you seen T-Gage yet? T? T-Gage. No, not at all. It's, uh, I think it's 100, I don't know. It's about the size of the tip of your thumb. It's it's this crazy uh, gauge that seems to be uh, just getting started a little bit in, I think it's England or something like that. Anyway, it's pretty funny for any listeners who want to go check it out because 
you literally could fit like in scale the entire state of California in a room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know on one of uh, Scotty Mason's show, and he mentioned it when uh, Ryan and I were interviewing him about some of the insanely small models that they had had in a contest, and it sounds like what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to leave that to the young people with good eyes. Uh, yeah, it's one four hundred and fifty. One to well, good group up half of N scale. Because <laughs> N's what one to no Z's one to two twenty. Yeah, and then N is one to one sixty. Holy moly! And then somebody will want to do it narrow gauge, no doubt. <laughs> oh, I tell you, this is uh Sonic line is the uh, the T gate or narrow T gauge. Yeah, yeah no, thirty inch uh, crop. Uh, I wanted to to ask. I know you're running on uh, running out of time, John and uh, Blaine. I know you got a company to to run, but you've mentioned some of the things that you want to do in the future by you know maybe broadening the. Uh, the scope of that product offering beyond just rolling stock and so forth and complementing the uh, in the HA scale with the uh, the end. Uh, do you guys anticipate keeping up what I consider a fairly torrid pace of introductions? I just love it. You guys put an ad in the paper or the magazines and you know, two weeks later on Tuesday at noon you can order this stuff. Yep. Yeah, so we're planning on keeping up that pace. You know, kind of a, our goal as a company is to launch one to two all-new cars every month, wow. plus potentially having new paint schemes of cars, too. Now, how does that, because I go in, my local hobby shop's in a fair with trains, and I'll go in, and they always have your product on the end cap, so you see it as you walk in. And I'll say, what came in from Exact Rail? And they do uh, express a sense of frustration of trying to just place orders because apparently your lines light up like nothing, uh, like nobody's business on Tuesday at noon. Yeah, you know, and that's something we've been working on. So I do think that overall we've been providing a better experience. Okay. And, and we, you know, so we announce on a Tuesday and then we ship the next Tuesday. Yeah. And um, some, there's been a few cases where a few products have been so popular that literally that Tuesday that they launch, it sells out off the exact website, you know, within, you know, six hours yeah. kind of a thing. And, and that's caused some frustration. Now, we've actually increased product quantities to try and uh, help out with that. And also, you know, the listeners need to realize that just because somebody said it was sold out on exact Trail doesn't mean that it's sold out because really what's happened is it's transferred from us to our sure. dealer base. Because about 90% of all exact rail pro products are sold through dealers. Um, you know, it's, so it's, it's more of just making sure that you're communicating with your, your hobby store, letting them know what's coming. We are currently working on a system that will allow our hobby stores to uh, be able to uh, get their orders in a little bit easier with us so that they don't run into some of those frustrations. But I think it just shows, really what it shows is how um, in demand our cars are and that we've hit an area of the market that's been underserved. And people are excited about Exact Rail product. 
You know, they are. I mean, I don't feel that bad when a guy calls and he says, I really wanted one of those, you know. I mean, I feel bad that I can't give it to them, but at the same time, I'm happy for the company that we we aren't sitting on tons of product in a warehouse, you know, putting us out of business, right? right? Every time somebody buys one of our cars, it allows Blaine and his team to build another beautiful model. And then also, um, you know, I do believe that most of the time most people can find a car that they want, and if not, we'll probably do a re-release of that car within a year or two. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of our goal is uh, when we do a release, try and, uh, depending on the demand, do a release within one to two years, uh, a re-release of it. Okay. And if there's tons of paint schemes, we'll keep coming out with them. Like, for example, our 4427, mm -hmm. uh, over the last two years, we've released 26 paint schemes of that car. So it's kind of stuff, though. It's, yeah, I've got several road names. I'm a fan of Fogar, but the uh, Louis Weston, wasn't that also a 4427? No, the Erie Western was um, an Evans 4780. Okay, I stand corrected. Uh, yeah, slightly different prototype. They look similar because they have the uh, they have the, the the longer side panels, right? They've got that lower lower side sill. Okay. Um, was a very interesting prototype that um, that was quite prolific, especially in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, it was owned by a number of Nebraskan co-ops and and is really recognized as being the uh, the Cornhusker freight car. <laughs> um, what's unique about it is it had a Stanray corrugated roof, which gave it a really unique appearance. Um, honestly, it's one of my favorite uh, grain car prototypes. I think it's a great car. Yeah, I, that was one of my first, uh, outside of the uh, Vertipots, I think the next thing I bought was when I saw those ears. I went, wow, look at the detail on this. So I've got a, have a couple examples of it. So the, the Erie Western car, just to speak to that car directly, yeah. was something of a, of a pet project, if you will, and that when I was a little boy, I had a uh, an, an an edition of Railway Quarterly magazine, which was a relatively obscure magazine. What had happened is my dad was a um, RC plane enthusiast, and I would tag with him uh, into the local RC hobby store, which which in this case didn't carry any model trains. Sometimes it's the case that a hobby store carries right all things hobby. Well, this was a dedicated plane store, and somehow they ended up with this magazine. And so over the course of the year and a half that I would go there with my dad on each weekend, I'd pick up that same magazine and look through it because there was nothing else that interested me in the store. Finally, finally I bought the magazine, and it had an article in, of Erie Western in it. And um, I've always had a... Um, a particular fondness for that railroad, especially that paint scheme on the Evans 4780, so that when I first came to work for Exact Rail, that happened to be one of my first projects, and uh, of course I couldn't pass up the Erie Western paint scheme. Right. Well, it was executed very well. And I want to compliment you guys, because I hear this from other modelers. Um, about doing most of your work on this, you're tooling, or I guess you do your molding, everything uh, outside of 
packaging, I guess, and assembly to the United States. That's correct, right? Yeah, so what happens here in the United States is, you know, we have a crew here that does all of the tooling and mold manufacturing. And for people who aren't familiar with, um, you know, how kind of model trains are made, the best way to describe it, I find, is to say, you know, we write the book here, right? And we, we do send it to then uh, China currently to, to actually be, you know, published kind of a thing where they inject the plastic, they then assemble the product, put it in the box. But uh, we do make the molds and everything that we send over. We actually even make in the United States um, some of the parts for like our trucks, our draft boxes, and some other things that we want to pay special attention to. Okay. Well, then I I still say that that's just admirable that you guys do that. And if nothing else, that when I started learning about that, uh, either by reading about it or so forth in the early days when I became a customer, that was one of the things that swayed my buying decision. Yeah, well, we're always honestly looking for things that, you know, to keep jobs here, and we'd love in the long run to be able to do even more things here. And I, you know... You don't know how the cards are ever going to fall, but, you know, that's definitely in the back of our minds because, you know, we want to be supporting our local economy. Okay. Well, that's just admirable. You know, John, I think uh, you're probably about out of time, and Blaine, I appreciate it. Good grief look at this. We've almost done an hour. The time has just flown by. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed it. I love your products. Is there anything that uh, you guys, any closing comments you'd like to add before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, if I may, yeah. Sure. Um, you know, ExactRail currently is um, engaged with more projects and development than um, we have since our January 2009 launch. We're very aggressive about uh, the development of new products and enthusiastically, I am able to say that we have a lot of great things coming. Um, I think we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I think if anything, people are going to be surprised at the pace we're going to keep. And, you know, I mean, as you know, we stay fairly tight about our products. But I think, you know, you will see a little bit more notice from us on some of the products. I think that we've heard from customers that they wouldn't mind at least having 30 days or something to, to hear about things from us. But overall, we like the excitement that happens uh, when you just kind of uh, tell somebody something and it's not a year and a half later that we ship a product. So we're excited to be in the industry and, and hopefully we can keep providing things that people enjoy. Well, if you keep doing what you have been doing, then yeah, I would say there's many successful years ahead. So thanks to uh, John Fasano and Blaine Hadfield of ExactRail for taking the time and sharing your uh, thoughts with the uh, Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Thank you. uh, Well, hey, really, guys, that was, uh, I really appreciate your time. Oh, it was our pleasure.